This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies. I am Matt Bungard alongside me as always, Mitch Doyle. Hello. Good everybody. And joining us, the Daily Telegraph's own Nick Campton. Greetings once again. Good to be here. You didn't have a little. You didn't have a little pun for me this time. So well, the, the third man in, or the Sam Friday your life. Or well, no, I was like going that. to explain to the viewers that we wanted to get a Titans fan, but there aren't any, so we had to settle for someone whose team was almost as good as the Titans. Oh wow, that's yeah. Off to a good start. That. that really hurt me. Yeah, well, I'm going to confirm that I just have no interest in having a Titans fan on here almost ever outside yep, Chris Chard. Yeah, so. Chris Chard's the man. But apart, <laughs> yeah. Regardless, uh, look. We have come to the end of another regular season of the National Rugby League. Um, some interesting results, some uh, pretty not pretty not so interesting results, but um, plenty of intrigue. And we'll start back on Thursday night when uh, Nick's beloved Canberra Raiders just needed to win against the ghost of the Sydney Roosters to make the finals. But instead, they took a big shit on the field, Nick. They sure did. They sure did. Like for the opening 20 minutes, I was actually feeling really positive about what Canberra were doing. They really looked up for it. They were winning a lot of the collisions. They were attacking around the middle. But then, like so many games this year, they just seemed to lose interest in the things that were that were working for them. And they just totally went away from them. They totally dropped their bundle. They panicked when they were under pressure. Poor old Sammy Gallimay had like an all-time shocker out on oh, the wing. He was a proper Steve Maven performance. Yeah, look, he's always he's always been shaky under the high ball. He'd gotten a little bit better when he first came back into first grade this year, but him in on late notice to replace Seb Chris was always going to be a tough ask because the Roosters are a team smart enough to say, well, we'll just bomb to him every single time and we'll get enough results to make it worth their while. Um, and then the score kind of blew out in the end as, as Canberra kind of fell apart like they have in so many games this year. It was What was really disappointing is all the Canberra fans were really, really jazzed for this one. Like they were really, really fired up. It, like it felt like a finals game heading in. For, well, for it was, it was a de facto finals game, so yeah. Yeah, yeah it, pretty, it pretty much was. And I thought the Raiders played with that kind of energy and that sort of enthusiasm only for about 20 minutes. And then everything just sort of dropped off. And Mitch, I remember you saying ages ago, it was around, maybe around, maybe around Magic Round. And you said Canberra were playing like a team that's waiting for the season to end. And it was a very, very early call for me, but it was also a very correct one because this is a team that's just been waiting for the end for weeks and weeks and weeks now. And they got a little bit of a bounce in the last few weeks. And I thought that was maybe them rising up to salvage a little pride, but instead that was like the dead cat bounce in the stock market where you hit the floor, bounce up a little bit and then <laughs> crash back to the floor again. So it's a, it was a really shitty end to what's been a really shitty season. And it was good to see so many things that were bad about this season represented in the most important game. Yeah. I thought you were going to, I thought you were just going to go on with it after Papaletti scored and it just wasn't the case, unfortunately for you. Um, what, I mean, obviously it's difficult to pinpoint one exact thing, but why do you think this was a team going into this year that everyone that's on this podcast right now and, you know, the vast majority of people that did like ladder positions at Sadia had in and around their top eight, if not their top four. So, well, I mean, where did it all go wrong? Well, I think the biggest the biggest uh, single contributor to the season falling apart was George Williams going home. And not just because he's a class playmaker and they didn't and they weren't really able to replace him. And the knock-on effect of him leaving on the rest of the squad from a footballing perspective was obviously quite high. Like I think there's a big reason that when he left Jack White and pretty much pretty much vanished, you know, that that there's a real connection there. But I also think that the the manner of his departure, which was a very bitter one, and the Raiders have had a lot of very bitter departures over the last couple of years. But the, the, the nature of his exit and the way it was played out in the media and 
the way that um, it was it was very clear that it was not an amicable split. It wasn't something that they sort of worked to. It felt like an emotional decision, a snap decision on the club's part. And I think that put, I, th- I think that rubbed a lot of players the wrong way. And I think with the way Mickey Stewart coaches and the way the Raiders play, there needs to be 100% buy-in from everybody. They really need to put in more effort to rise to the level of some of the other better teams in the competition because they don't really have the structures to fall back on or the attacking talent to fall back on. So as a result, when that when that trust is eroded a little bit and they've got to and they, and they and they can't rise to that level, they can't rise to that intensity and and, and sort sort of play with the clear eyes, chins up, full heart sort of sort of ethos, things fall apart, and that's what happened through the year. And things kind of compounded as the season went along. I think they got afraid of of, of losing and they got really frantic in the attacking twenty because they didn't have the confidence in themselves that they would get down there again or that they could hold out other teams. You couple that with like some truly psychotic selections and bench rotations. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, every every everything that could have gone wrong kind well, of did. Ricky's tenure is pretty much never under question down there. Like even in down years like this. Um has there been any sort of rumblings that there could be changes at that 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 level? No, no. And I think um e- even though I don't think Ricky he had a particularly good season. I think he's earned enough credit over the last two years to earn the chance to dig Canberra out of this problem. I don't know if he can do that because there's, I think there's major, major structural problems with the roster and Canberra aren't the club that can go and buy their way out of a problem. They really need to – it takes them a few years to sort of put a roster together just with the way the club is, is, is sort of structured. So I'm, I, I'm not confident that they'll bounce back to the level that we saw last year and the year before, but I do think Ricky should have the chance to, to try and get them there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mitch, anything you got to say about this game before we move on? No, I agree with most of that stuff that Campo said. And yeah, they're one of those teams, and I think all these teams that finish on 10 wins, almost all of them at some point gave up on their season. But then like the other teams didn't take advantage of that opportunity. And the Raiders had a few losses and it happened throughout the year. We were like, well, that's the last one. You know, it's over now. You know, it happened a couple of times. I had this big loss. You know, they got done by 40 by the Titans in like round 16 after losing to the Dragons. We thought, well, that's it. It's over now. And then they go beat the Manly and the Sharks. And then that win against the Eels is really what brought the hope back. Lose to the Knights. You're like, oh, fuck. It's over again. And then, yeah, it just kept coming back for them. It just, But it felt like that team on the field weren't fully committed to to playing in a way that make, makes the finals. They weren't fully committed to... To doing it the tough way, they weren't like they were. As, as Campo said, they played frantic and tried to find easy ways to score points in the opposition twenty. They didn't really grind their way into games, and they cracked a lot easier than, than the Canberra sides have the last couple of years. They actually turned into a good team because they never have been a really high strike rate team in the opposition twenty this whole time. But they've been they were got good defensively as well. They became a good side and they cracked really easily. And in this one, like Semi Valame comes off the street essentially, hasn't played in five or six weeks. And putting him against Daniel Tupo, it was like from kickoff, you're like, this is not going to go well. <laughs> and it did not. And they switched him or whatever, but it was kind of already over from then. The Roosters team, I know people sort of slapped together, but in this game, like, had a lot of the guys back. And then you had Drew Hutchinson, who's playing like one of the best halves in the competition, truly bizarre. Mm. Who, um, what is he, 20, 26 now to get his first real, real first chance run, first grade run this year. But yeah, you, you sit at Canberra and think, man, how come we had. We had Frawley and Sam Williams. Why couldn't we have Drew Hutchinson? You know, <laughs> sitting here waiting to play. But yeah, it's unfortunate for them. Their season's over. They still have, you know, that roster. As Campo said, there's some there's some glaring issues with it, but they still have seven or eight 
really key pieces that who knows? I don't know where they're going to find a halfback. Yeah, they that's, find that's a half decent one. That's the issue. I have no the, idea. The, the trouble, the, the trouble with 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 what they've got going on at halfback is there's a couple of guys out there that I'd really like them to take a run at. Like I'd really love them to try and land Drew Hutch, even though I think it's going to be impossible because he just re-signed with the Roosters earlier this year, and Trent Robbo's yeah. Trent Robinson's like ready to adopt him, or someone like Tricky Trindle, or maybe kick the tires on Ash Taylor. But I don't have a lot of confidence in a halfback coming down there and really blossoming blossoming under Ricky Stewart because if you look at his track record with halfbacks, even back in the Roosters days when he was winning premiership when he was winning premierships and contending for the title nearly every year his record with halfbacks isn't great it's it's they almost it's, all it's, get bulleted after a year or two yeah yeah and there's and it's normally a pretty messy split and even if you look at Canberra's last two good halfbacks George Williams and Aiden Caesar both of them were pretty bad splits as well so i don't know I, this might sound out there i want them to move Josh Hodgson to halfback for a year all right this is the old Ken Smith aging thing yeah yeah because like yeah, he's slow as hell and he's going to get exposed defensively, but he's also really comfortable at first receiver. He really loves running the team around the park. It lets you have him and Starling on the field at the same time. I know it's I mean, it's crazy and it probably won't work, but I also think it's the best of some some pretty poor options they've got at, they've, they've got at their disposal, yeah. you know? If that's your roster round one next season, I understand where you're coming from with that. And for the Chooks, mate, this, this season from Trent Robertson, just a fantastic coaching to to get this team up every week. They've they finished fifth, and I know the Titans are. We'll talk about the game. They're a chance. I I feel like they're going to put a pounding on next weekend. Yeah, you'd I don't think know. So. I'm 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 keen to. I'm really keen to see how they go because I wonder how much of their season has been structured around Robinson sort of telling them like, let's prove them all wrong. Let's prove them we can still get. We can still get to the finals. We can still make it. And I wonder if having now made it, they might feel feel like the job's done a little bit, especially yeah. some of those younger boys. I think it's a possibility because I think Robinson would have been using that finals carrot a fair bit and now they're there. And if they show up and they're a bit loosey-goosey and they get into a shootout with the Titans, I don't know. I reckon the, the Titans can score points. You know, the Titans oh, can well, score points, especially the other side doesn't really commit defensively. I'm looking forward to that game. Yeah. yeah and one player shout out before we move on. Um, the Tigers missed out on him a couple of weeks ago. Egan Butcher was, you know, they had a chat with him, try to get him over there. Nat Butcher's brother. Um, those those are the signings that teams like the Tigers need to make, not Aaron Woods and other old experienced has-beens. Like guys like Egan Butcher who are on the cusp, and he's been really good in first grade and was great in this game and started at lock. And, yeah, it looks like they're just going to keep rolling through having awesome forwards. Like Isaac Lee moves next year, and I don't think they'll give two shits. How long do you think it would take Trent Robinson to turn one of you two into a competent first grader? Not that long. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. It's Bungard, funny. I'm pretty Bellin, sure, I'm pretty sure you're just Adam Kieran. Like, aren't you Adam yeah. Kieran? Like, you're Adam Kieran if you yeah. like, you know step up across. Oh, the by the way, board. wasn't that wasn't that classic um like classic media beat up? Oh, did that kick go in or not? Like, yes, it did. What <laughs> was it? It was behind the post. You can see it when you pause it. Or you know, the guy who was standing under the post looking up at it. That Probably guy. has a better view. But Joey's on. Yeah. No, <laughs> he missed. No. Or am I am I blind? Yeah, and they see the angle that when it went through, and they're like, "No, go back to the other angle. I'll go back to the one that you don't like." Anyway, but yeah, I think yeah. Trent Robinson. I know Craig Bellamy's really good at getting anything out of players, but I feel like Trent Robinson can turn almost anybody into a competent middle. Like Lindsay Collins couldn't hold the ball for three years, you know, and now he's one of the best props in the game. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Sharks had a chance. All they needed to do was, well, I mean, beat the Melbourne Storm, but they couldn't do it. Uh, they couldn't get it done, unfortunately. It was a pretty brave first half. I thought Tricky Trindle was fantastic for them in that first half. And we had a couple of nice 
put downs from Katoa, but Melbourne too strong in the in the latter in the latter half of the game. Uh, I I do want to say I went through and watched all the tries again today, and real laugh after the last Sharks trial, and they go, "Oh, that's an important one. That's an important one for the four and against." <laughs> it's true. Well, it might have been. <laughs> I know, but it's like, oh, that might be it. They might have made the finals on that one. Close boys. Uh, feels like a get well game for Brian Pappenhausen. Like I know the tries were not exactly the first one wasn't exactly individual brilliance, but it looked felt like a monkey off his back when he did that and he played pretty well from there. Uh, yeah, the Sharks were probably never going to beat the Storm and needed to hang in. And they did all right. But, yeah, it looks like that Storm, maybe Pappenhausen and Harry Grant turned a bit of a corner here. I thought Grant, after having maybe the worst game of his career, was awesome in this game. He had 14 runs, 170 metres. He was doing his his whole thing. I love how he gets out of dummy half when there's a, like a quick play of the ball and just freezes like the entire defensive line. Don't know how he does it, but he does it on, on, on frequent. And he did it. He embarrassed poor Britain Nakora in this game with it. So I thought he was awesome. And the Sharks, I mean, we all know they had the five chances again to make the finals this year and they kept losing those important games. And then somehow everyone lost their games as well. And they were in this position. And they probably, if you were going to say someone who should be in the eight out of the teams that didn't make it, the Sharks are, you know, they finished ninth anyway, but they're the team that felt like they should have been there, but they blew it. Yeah, they probably should have. I really like watching the Sharks because of the way they attack. They spin the ball from side to side really, really well. Josh Hannay got them playing a real, a real positive style, even when they were doing it really tough. But they're just a bit soft defensively up the guts. Like I love handsome yeah. Toby Rudolph, but he can get exposed sometimes. We know how bad Aaron Woods is in defense around the middle, and, and Nakora is a good player, but his defense can kind of come and go as well. So there's yeah. some pretty glaring issues there. And I thought Melbourne really, really targeted it. I reckon the Sharks, they did well just to be in the finals, in the finals race, I reckon, after what happened with with John Morris. I, I remember I went yeah, and yeah. watched him play Penrith a few weeks after that happened. And they got down 48 nil and they were flat out scoring the nil. And I thought, my God, like <laughs> they they could finish. Even with all the attacking talent they've got there, they could like this team could could slip, you know, well, off the off the face of the earth. They were that boneheaded um take the tap against the Warriors decision away from being in the final. Oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah. Did the yeah. bulldog the did the bulldogs beat them? Yeah, they, they did. That was the bulldogs, the bulldogs, the bad bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, the terrible bulldogs. I wonder, do they make the finals if John Morris is there all year? Um, I don't know, but this is the thing. People go, oh, you know, everyone shat on them for, uh, for letting Morris go and getting Hannah. I'm I'm pretty sure they were in the top eight when Morris got let go. I'm not exactly 100, yeah. but like regardless. I, I, yeah, I think I still think it was about Hannah. You can, Hannah did a great job. I thought under very very difficult circumstances. But I still think yeah. it was a, I still think it was a bad decision because that's it, all right. to stabilise them for just a few weeks, and if they're stable for that few weeks, they probably make the finals because they probably pick up an extra win. Yep, just one win. It's all they needed. All right, yeah. um, moving on. Um, Parramatta played the reserves, and we got the outcome we expected. Uh, Parramatta six, Penrith forty. Of all the games, this is probably the one that we have the least to talk about, just given that we all knew what was going to happen in this game from the start, and the script was followed pretty much to the letter. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think that's it, mate. Like, they they turned up with a reserve grade, a glorified reserve grade side almost steals against a full strength Penrith team, and they got jazzed on. And Brian Toto is awesome. That was my takeaway from this game that it was great seeing him back in full flight. I loved the uh, Nathan Cleary try he set up when, like, instead of going through Ferguson, he did that twice already. He went underneath him 
but that was great. <laughs> he's really good. It's um, and obviously he, he wasn't there two three weeks ago when we played them, and I think he does make a huge difference, and he'll probably score six tries on Saturday night. So hey, I thought Makatoa was pretty good. Para did get slashed up, but I actually thought they gave a pretty good account of themselves for about 50 Yeah, minutes, it got away from think, towards the end. Yeah, which yeah. I think is all, I think that's all Brad Arthur was looking for. Because if you think about it, it's a glorified reserve grade team, right? Half of them haven't played in weeks and weeks and weeks. So they're going to fall off in the last 20 or 30 regardless. I felt like they didn't make it easy for Penrith. They made Penrith. Yeah, it was 12, six and a half time as well. So yeah. yeah, yeah, score blew out in the end. But, you know, Para got some rounds in. I think that's all they were looking for. I agree. All right, uh, Mitchell, your boy, Anthony Milford. One last time, one last field goal against the Knights uh, as your boys finished off their season with a pretty impressive performance against a relatively strong Knights team who, of course, did take Ponga and Pierce off the field late on, but still, you know, pretty good team and a pretty good win and a nice note to end on. Yeah, the Knights did not turn up to play this game. No. <laughs> like, I know we won and it was a nice win, but... Yeah, they didn't turn up to play, and we opened the door from a couple of times. I know they did score some points late, but the first half, they didn't really look like getting back into that game. And, yeah, it was nice to see, and I was willing it for it once we got ahead, the disrespectful field goal. Nice to say that from Milford. Nice to have some good games for him to leave on, but there's still moments at all those games of the things of, like, I'm, you know, the breakup is just the right thing for us. Go and flourish at South, please. But, like, there's he that will. play the ball he dropped in this game, then challenged and it's That was embarrassing. Ran it on last again when he shouldn't have like just a few silly mistakes. You're like, yep. Those are the things that I've just seen enough of, you know, I've just seen enough of them. So I'm ready to move on from them, but yeah, good to get a couple of good games out of him. And it was bizarre when he signed for South, how people acted like it was like the worst signing of all time. Forgetting like I, we, we know rugby league now is always like this. No one's as good or as bad as we say they are, but like he was terrible early in the year for Brisbane. He was, but I don't know why people just thought that was every bit of talent was gone. So hopefully he goes on and succeeds at your lot. The, the main thing for us is for Brisbane, you know, the, the last few weeks, I think we might be a little overrated what people think of us the last eight weeks because we didn't leave Brisbane. We stayed at Suncorp. We've never had an issue turning up at Suncorp. And neither has Tony Milford. He's always been pretty good at Suncorp. So we have had everything go in our favor and we have jagged a couple of wins, but it still feels nice to like, at least change the vibe around the joint. You know, it feels like the vibe's a bit better. There's less of the dumb crisis articles. There's um, like, I can't believe one point people were calling us worse than last year's team. It's never been a thing, but also seeing like nice performances out of um, Herbie Farmworth the last few weeks. I think Selwyn Cobbo's really stood up playing center there and defended better than, than, uh, than I would have thought a young center would, especially in his stature. I think if you, was this the first time you'd watched league this year, you wouldn't have known who was the hot young centre out of him or, or Badman Best, you know, in that matchup, in my opinion, how they played in this game. Did you know he used to play uh, soccer? Yeah, yeah, I know. That yeah. kick which, he shut up for that no try was fantastic. Which is going to get beat into the ground more? Selwyn Cobbo's the next Latrell J.I. or Herbie spent t- had a cup of coffee with me and you? I think the latter. I think the Cobbo the yeah. comparisons will go away at some point. The, the Herbie yeah. played for Man U thing will be a thing as long as he is a NRL player. Yeah, the trail's going to wait for three years. I reckon it's got the potential to be the... Did you know Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard? Yeah, the, or the, the Swans player that played um, rugby union for Canada. Yeah. They always suck. talked about. It'll yeah. suck um, and we'll get sick of it. And then it'll come all the way back around and be funny again. Yeah. Did you know yeah. Antonio Gates played basketball in college? I, I did not. I did yeah, not. Crazy. Yeah. The, my thing I really liked in this game, though, as a Broncos fan, I was hoping he got hurt in round 19 as well, Corey Pakes. 
So he didn't get an opportunity to play till the, till this week. But in that 56 minutes, stint, he was on the field. And I know when you've had a, a poor hooker, it's really easy to overrate the next guy. And I'm not trying to say he's going to be anything amazing. But I really liked his service. Some of those sets, like the, almost all the try scoring sets, like Corey has directed them all the way out the field and then put a nice pass, wide pass onto the chest of the half. We set the try up. And we haven't had that for, for a long time on a hooker. And even in the last field goal set when he was gassed, he did that. That was really nice to see. So hopefully he can be the 14 next year ahead of Billy Walters. Another thing I'd also heard, so Alex Glenn's final game, uh, two runs, 11 meters. Heard he uh, might have may have torn his calf midweek at training and played through that, which is um, got to respect that he got his last game in uh, on, on the field there, but also might explain why for the first time in like five years, him and Milford weren't a handbrake on the left-hand side. Like they were throwing early balls to Herbie and cutting Glenn out because he didn't want the ball apparently. So good on him. Thought that was interesting. I was, better. I was really happy for Alex Glenn. I know you just touched on it a bit last week. Someone asked like, oh, what's your favorite Alex Glenn memory? And yeah. he's both kind of, kind of. Yeah, I know. He's someone that's always really fascinated me because I've always thought that um, something that always stuck out to me, something that you've said before, Mitch, is that when Wayne Bennett came back to Brisbane, he sat Alex Glenn down. He said, the biggest thing I'm disappointed about the Broncos, the things that happened when I wasn't here, is that you haven't kicked on and become the player that that you should be. Yeah. And I think about Alex Glenn, I think about two other guys that came along at around the same time, like Josh Jackson and Boyd Cordner. And yeah. Boyd Cordner went on to become a real leader of men and a real staple of a very, very good club and multiple premiership teams and all that. And Josh Jackson sort of got shunted into being to that, that uh, tries very hard for a very bad club kind of thing. And Alex Glenn, I feel like, has been caught between those two extremes through his career. If he was in a, if he was had a better coach in a better system, I think he has a career closer to Boyd Cordner's. I, I really do think that was his ceiling. He was an incredibly talented player when he was younger. Mitch, remember when he used yeah. to play out in the centers and shit? Just run over dudes and it. beat him with his footwork and his off. It was awesome. He played on the wing a few times. It was fucking great. They also had that and weird really- thing where they didn't they didn't like pick the back rowers they had. They just kept like all four of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you could tell as well, I reckon from an early age that he had leadership potential. You know, you could you could see him talking on the field a lot. I don't reckon I've seen someone go one set, one set after an error more than I have Alex Glenn. You know, it was yeah. it was his fucking trademark for a few years there. And when he became captain at Brisbane, I was really happy for him because like, he really, really loves the Broncos. He loves the Broncos and he loves that. He loves that club in a way that I don't think a lot of professional athletes love their club. And I don't think that there would have been a more proud captain of the Broncos over the last maybe five or six years than Alex Glenn. And it sucks that he had to be, you know, sort of king of the ashes after everything burned down. He had to shepherd the club through this really difficult period when he probably should have retired a couple of years ago. But mm. I'm glad that he got one last good time out there. And I'm glad that there's a story like, yeah, he played his last game with a torn calf because he just loves this club so much. You know? He made a try save too, mate. A good end. Oh, mate, right at the end. Right yeah, at the end. Did, you know, so it's, good it, on he, him. he achieved a lot in his career, but I really think it could have been, it could have been really different. I don't, I don't know if he, I don't know. I think he reached his ceiling maybe as a man, but I don't know if he did as a player. I like that. Then uh, if, if the Storm teach Xavier Coates how to not only catch, but like jump at the right time or do any of that stuff, who knows? I'll tell you, I'll tell you mate, he'll break Ken Irvine's record. And I never uh, thought I'd say that about a player, but here we are. Yeah, I mean, if the, if, oh man, he just can't tell me he's jumped, but also like when he goes up and like, if you just let to tap them back, we'd score like four tries a game off of it. <laughs> Instead, he just likes well, to drop them. Well, like you saw what they did with Addo Carr and Vunavalu, and that was a fast guy yeah. and a guy who could jump. Imagine if they get a fast guy who can jump. Oh yeah, and I know it doesn't matter now. 
It doesn't matter now, but uh, before we move on, Kobe Hetherington was downtown in the same way Martin you know, Nichols was downtown. Yes, he was. Try. Fantastic. He was, he was all downtown, George. Yeah, he was behind the play of the ball when the ball was played, but he was in front of the play of the ball when the ball was kicked, followed through and scored the try, and they just confirmed it. They didn't check it. Uh, whatever. He was uh, offside. But a lot of, this weekend felt like a bit. there was a bit of that just give it when it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Great. Fantastic. Um, Cowboys 18, Manly 46. Uh, you said, Mitchell, that Tom Savojevic didn't really have that signature moment like those guys like Ben Barber, Joe Hayne did. He does now. Get that up. So here. does Ruben Garrick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, they might win the comp. I I don't know. I, I know they were fabulous in this game and they scored some wonderful tries and, and all of that. But... <laughs> Come on, man. It's the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. Cowboys I don't know if you've noticed, but like Manly have been pretty good for the last like four months. I want them to be, I haven't seen them beat one of the big dogs. And until they, until they do that, I can't. I no, can't put them I, that's on that fine. Level. But like, I'm not, I think right now, I don't think you can draw a line through either South or Manly. Like, and which is great given that I think halfway through you the year. You can't tag South to Manly. <laughs> Yeah, that's not, on the, not not the same deal, bro. Um, I'm not going to have this from either of you, but like, and but given that halfway through the year we we're all kind of resigned to just being two teams can win and no one else can, um, I think that's good. Well, yeah, um, kind of change the rules again during the year, so that doesn't help. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, mainly we've mentioned before on the podcast and this game as well. Like some of the other teams, when they get ahead, these good teams they put the cue in the rack and chill. Manly absolutely fucking love gutting teams. They I do were, like, like the, I do like that about them. So do I. They scored three tries in the last 11 minutes. And the last two, like, we, everyone's, if you haven't seen that last try, I don't know where you've been, but that Cherry Evans scored one with two minutes to go. And you thought, oh, that was the one they, like, put the cherry on top. Ruben Garrick tried, like, the ball's on that man. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> just outrun Great Granville to not bat it dead and just go, fuck it. We're going for this. Up Imagine you're one, of the Cowboy, you're one of the Cowboys seeing the kick go down, so Garrick pick it up and, and see him turn around and coming back you just think you you absolute prick i could beat the mad cow in 20 minutes and you're doing this to me i cannot yeah, believe like, what you. The, yeah it's some of the some of the manly players just stood still as well They're like you're fucking kidding i'm not chasing <laughs> this shit <laughs> it was great and then of course tommy's the man on the spot there but he uh had six line breaks in the game then ruben garrick did get to that mark we'd mentioned it we'd mentioned it for like five or six weeks he was there maybe even longer finally it was mentioned on the broadcast first guy to get 300 points in a regular season with less games than the other guys have got there 304 points as the silly season continues. The storm disappointed us. Didn't get to the all-time record points scored. Got to the most points per game, but nobody cares. And the best for and against, nobody cares. But Ruben Garrick, most points to add on top of uh, Alex Johnson's also most tries in a regular season. So the silly things. And then, oh, Cody Walker did not get to the tri-assists because uh, obviously didn't play. Tim <clears> Smith <throat> lives, baby. He does, mate. Yes. He does live, but not playing is somewhat uh, conducive to not breaking records. That is a good point. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a con, isn't it, mate? I've like, always said this: to break records statistically in sports, you need to play. Let him speak. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had so we had um, Cody Walker finished with the most line break assists ever in a season, so he's still got that. By and second place is Tommy Turbo now. So there you go this year. Yeah. And then oh. for the most line breaks in a season, I'll quickly check that while we while I'll talk myself through it. Garrick got it's uh, Johnson still, in the end. Uh, he, he did, but the most line breaks ever in a season still remains Steve Menzies, 1998, second Ruben Garrick, 
2000. Manly. It means he had 40. But as I said, I do believe those first like three years line breaks aren't line breaks. They're not going to review those, but yeah, fair. that's the records. Um, Cowboys. Yeah. They're not very good. Um, what do they do next year? I feel like they've got they've got pieces. They've got pieces there I like. Like Jeremiah Nanai is going to be a good player. Helen Luke is going to be a good player. The hammerer is only going to get better. I thought Tom Tom Dearden's had a really rough season, but I think the last couple of weeks he's done a lot better. And he he he's a real he's a real trier as well, which I think is in, which I think is important when you when you're in these rough patches. He's really tried to dig himself out. You know, Reese Robson's a good player. I think they'll get they'll they'll work something out with Sal Malolo. But yeah, they didn't take as many steps forward this year as I hoped they would. I really want Todd Payton to succeed because he talks about the game in a really interesting and, and open sort of way. But mm. yeah, I, I, I don't know. There seems to be some really big problems on that roster, and I could I could feel a lot better about what they'd be doing next year if they weren't saddled to that awful Chad Townsend deal, and if they still had a Jake Clifford there. Those those two moves are just just baffling to me and that that's those two moves are enough are enough for me to have serious doubts about whether they'll be much better next year mm. yeah and i'm with you like i'm kind of had enough of and i know i've said this before and then four months pass and i feel different but how many times now outside of the couple of years that were good have we looked at the cowboys and thought geez they're not far off that ross is pretty good Mate, you know, I've, picked and then, in, I've picked them in the eight the last four years and like granted i'm a very stupid person but like yes They've had a lot. They've had a lot of talent, and it's just it's just never sort of come through. Yeah, and you know, then again, you find out they all seem to be hiding someone awesome. Like Jeremiah Nanai has been sick the last few games he played. Highland Lukey's been great. Didn't play much in this game, uh, but like they've they're doing the hammer at fullback. And Todd Payton did say around the game that that's the plan next year. So, like, are you real? Are you like? I know it doesn't matter. It's a sunk cost kind of thing, but. Val Holmes just signed a 2025. Are they really doing that? I don't know. Like, are they really going to stick Hammer at fullback and have the most expensive left winger of all time or left center? Maybe. Uh, I, I don't know who would. Though. I don't know who would take him though. If he's like, he's obviously who not going to. Well, he's not going to turn the money down. So it's like. Well, I mean, someone would take him. They'd have to just take a lot of the freight. That's well, they'd have to. They'd have to eat a fair bit of it, I'd guess. So that's the problem. Probably, probably three, four hundred k of it. But yeah, it's um. I don't know. That, that feels weird. And then you said, mate, they added other problems that did in Townsend thing. Getting one was a problem. Getting both was cat- yeah. ca- catastrophic. Drinkwater is fun. The bad defense came back. Uh, and then they still have issues in the forward pack that like they have this pack that was built for a couple of years ago. And it wasn't particularly good then when it was Tamalolo still leading, just him. And they still have a lot of these immobile giant middles. And yeah, they got they got those guys all next year. I know Molo's gone, but you know maybe like Peter Holler comes back through or Tom Gilbert plays. I don't know, but they still feel like a team full of good forwards, but not a team full of the right mix of forwards. It's um, you know hindsight's twenty twenty and all that, but I I think they really they should really regret letting go of John Asiata because it's yeah. it's got to the point this year that you can't survive if you don't have a passer like a mobile passer in the middle of the field. And if you put well, nobody him wants up, him, by the way. Oh yeah, I can't work that out because like. He's clearly got all those those passing abilities that you need from someone in your, in your middle, but he's also got a little bit more size than than a lot of those guys who are gifted in that way. Imagine if he's one yeah. of your starting props and you've got Tal Malolo as your main yardage man at 13, and then you've got someone who can do a little bit of both as your other prop. I don't know who that is, but I assume you could go find someone. All of a sudden, things are looking a whole lot healthier. So I guess I, what I'm saying is yeah. bring bring Lord John back to Townsville. Hmm. Well, and like, so the Bulldogs have said no to him, and like 
we'll, we ask some question times. We're saving some of it then. But like, he is one of the people who'd be top of my list as the Tigers because you'll cost nothing, but they have so many of the same plotting middles. They need someone who can get the ball out of the ruck, out of the middle of the field, and distribute it. Like, he's the top of my list, and they'd cost him nothing. And they won't even look at him, but that's who I would put up there. But yeah, the, the Cowboys, too much of the same, same ilk. And I don't know, Manly are coming into finals looking really fucking confident, as Bungard said. Like, they, they love scoring points. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't love, as you know, don't love Jake Turbo. I did love how much you like scoring that try, <laughs> like just <laughs> supporting by like throwing it down. It's like, man, those guys are going to celebrate some finals tries. And but it's just good to see like it. It's always good to see teams play like that. No matter you don't like or do like the club, you're seeing teams who want to play, score points, want to entertain, and enjoy it. Like it's hard not to enjoy that football. It's one of the well, best tries I've ever seen. That last one it was unbelievable. Well, it, was, it was incredible. It was incredible. And like Manly fans are an ordinary, ordinary bunch by nature. I think. Mm. They've got to understand that it's possible to enjoy the footy manly are playing and agree that like guys like Trebojevic and Garrick are having fantastic seasons and that Trebojevic is like, you know, very much up there with, with the great seasons that we talk about and yeah. also say that the new rules are a big part of it. You know, those aren't, those things don't cancel each other out. Trebojevic would have had a great season regardless. It just wouldn't be as, you know, mind bending if things weren't the way they are, you know, but they do play great footy. You know, if you can't see that, you're just not looking. I agree. All right, moving on. Corey Norman, he did it again. Dear, oh dear. What a fitting end. What do you guys think Corey Norman thinks about his own career? I don't know if he's the type of person that's capable of... Self-reflection? Yeah. (laughs) He's played played 10, 10, 10 or 11 years in the league, right? And he played an origin game, and I'm pretty sure he's got two top 10 Dally M finishes. Which and is hilarious. To, yeah. And, uh, but, but like, it is that, you know, there's, there's so much talent there, and he, he's achieved a lot more than a lot of players. But I also think, I don't think he got, mate, I don't think he got 60% of what he could have been, you know? And if it there's was... anything that sums him up as a player more than anything else, it's that last 10 seconds. He throws a gorgeous long cutout pass to his winger to make a break down the sideline and set up one last chance at victory. And then at first, save just drops the ball cold. Like, come on, man. It was the most underwhelming 225-whatever-game career I can think of. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> That's a lot of games. Like, legit. And, yeah, I, I, I know that, like, obviously we've all had players that we've not liked and we've all had uh, players that we were happy to see the back of and stuff. I have never seen anyone as universally disliked by their fan base as much as Dragons fans seem to hate Corey Norman. I do feel like he, <laughs> he sort of just drifted through these last these last few games. He was someone who I thought was playing like he wanted the season to end. And with the things that happened to them, like with the, the, the barbecue. Well, they didn't losing, win a game after the barbecue. Yeah, well, losing so many of their guys, they really needed some of their more senior players to, to step up and, and just take a little bit more responsibility. And that just didn't happen. And it's got to fall on Norman because I think he's the most experienced player at the club. Maybe Sims has a couple more games. on the, I can't remember off the top of my head. But instead, it was all the young fellas. It was all the kids that were stepping up and saying, you know, follow me, boys. We can we can do this. And that's great. That's great that you got young fellas that want to do that. But it's also a bit of an indictment on your on your senior men that you don't have guys who are really willing to stand up and take that, take that responsibility. Like you compare him to someone like Ben Hunt, who's got a lot of natural talent. But I would argue maybe not as much natural talent as Corey Norman. And Ben Hunt would never do something like this. You know, Ben Hunt will always take responsibility for the result, good result or bad. If he gets it right or he doesn't, 
he'll always wear it. And I'll ne- I rarely, I very rarely come away from a Ben Hunt game thinking, well, you know what? He didn't, he didn't give his best out there. I never think that about Ben Hunt. I think that about Corey Norman all the time. Yeah, absolutely agree. And just on the topic of the game at hand, I mean, we will talk more about this week's games in the preview, but obviously a lot of these guys won't be playing for Souths then. I thought, um, I really liked what I saw from Lachlan Ilias and I thought the combinations they had with this new sort of young spine were pretty promising. And, you know, it, it, it still remains to be seen who will be getting that seven jersey next year. It might be Ilias, might be tough, might be Anthony Milford, might even be Benji Marshall going around one more time. Who knows? But um, yeah, I liked what I saw, but I'm obviously biased. So I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts. I wrote a story about those three young South boys last week, Blake Torf, um, Pete the Greek Mamazellas and, and Lachlan Ilias. They've all they all played together on a Jersey flag team that won the comp a couple of years ago. And Ilias and, and Taft particularly have played a lot of footy together. So I'm not surprised to see the combinations come through so strongly. I really liked Ilias. I really liked what I saw. I think mm. I'd have him as my front runner to replace Reynolds right now, just because I stylistically, I think he's a, a, a good replacement. But I was really impressed with Mamazellas as well. I really liked him. I thought he was really sharp out of dummy half. Like, Got through a lot of work, even though he's a little fella. I thought his con- first up contact was really strong as well. I'd be if I was a club needing a hooker, I'd be I'd no, be making no, some no. calls to Don't beat the Don't you put that evil on? <laughs> I mean, Bobby. we know this, father. We know this. South of the hooker factory, yeah. And purely based on that, <laughs> he is going to be good. And yeah, he looked he looked real sharp. I know one game is really easy to to fall you know fall for what you see there, and also they they didn't seem to be that pressured by the dragons for most of it. The dragons like didn't have any interest in getting out of their half at all out of their own way until the game was almost over. They decided to try, but yeah, I thought he was fent. I thought both of them were good, but I particularly thought the service from dummy half was, was exceptional. And I, uh, I, I would have agreed Campo if it was five years ago, but Damien Cook's 30 turning 31 uh, yeah, in, the, yeah, in the middle I, of next I forget, year. I, f- I, forget not that that old. I forget that he's a little bit older because he had such a slow. Yeah. Start. If he was 25, yeah. then I agree with you. But I just think that given the stage that he's at in his career, he's probably only got two or three years left, especially the way that his game is so geared around his, his, his sort of quick burst of speed off the mark as well, which obviously will decline with age. I think they've got to hold on to this guy. And I think he might be the, the one to take over from Cook in a couple of years time. Greek international Pete Mamazelos. Remember the name. How long until someone calls him the Greek freak? Well, now. Well, I already yeah, did. Well, we're, so. we're doing it. We're starting it. Yeah, Ilias, it was funny. Ilias is Greek as well, though. Like, yeah, well, it's mm. the, the Greek freaks. There you go. You might not <laughs> notice on the coverage there, but uh, they were kind of cheering on that Ilias. What a shock. Wow. Yeah, I Bra- wonder Bra- why Bra- that was yeah. happening. Great yeah. Zianiakis and Astasakis up in the box. Yeah. yeah well, he's, he's only, so he has two clients to play a manager. One of them is yeah. Sam Burgess and the other... Yes, we saw who it was on the weekend. So. Ilias. Yes, no, I cannot believe he was allowed time. to be in the commentary box, by the way. Oh, Unbelievable. Um, but yeah, but yeah um, so, but Taft's the one that really needs to be talked about because he's the one that's going to be playing this week. And I liked what I saw when he threw that little pass to put Milne over. And I liked what I saw when he uh, forced a drop out by, by nutmegging someone with a kick. I didn't like what I saw when he dropped a kick cold. And I didn't like what I saw when he got his tackling technique all wrong on Ravalawa and got steamrolled. Yeah, that wasn't great. That wasn't great. But I like Bungard, you you'll remember fondly the, the Corey Allen experience last year. Mm. Yes. I think it's it's one of those things it'll be a lot easier for Taft to drop in when he's got Walker and Reynolds setting that stuff up for him. Any but right, and mate. if he's if he's shaky under the high ball or shaky in defense, it's something you just got to wear because what's the alternative? Playing AJ back there? Come on, mate. Yeah, they won't be doing that. Um yeah, so I'm just kind of 
yeah, uh, what's the word? Cautiously optimistic for the weekend. But uh, is there anything else you want to say about the Dragons before we move yes. on to the other couple? All right, good. What oh, do you geez, got? Here aside he comes. From, here he comes. Aside from, uh, I mean, <laughs> here's some analysis for you. You fucking suck. <laughs> I mean, the we all know the, the barbecue ended their season. They haven't won since. And I know people thought the punishment was light then or gave them, but it ended up crippling them for a number of, number of weeks, splitting it all up. But they have finished the season with some decent signs with some players like Tyrell Sloan. He looks good. Looks fantastic. You know, looks a really good support player and he scored what six tries in five games, pretty much purely based off his support. He looks all right. Jaden Sullivan looks decent as well, but man, they're going into next year still with like so much of that. Like they told Tarek Sims you can go, but like Joshua McGuire looks like an absolute disaster signing. He has the whole time he's been there, but he doesn't look, he's not worthy of first grade at the moment for mine. And he's going to be going to be suspended for five weeks next year or whatever at this point, but still just like, just does not give a shit when they're defending. And I know you look at his stats and oh, he missed two tackles. Like, mate, he watched seven or eight people run past him. <laughs> and game. he'll charge out of the line every now and then to put one of his shots on someone as he did. He yeah, hit he some, who did he hit in the head again? I can't remember. Um, but obviously, yeah, he got sinned in for it and is now being suspended. But yeah. And, yeah, and I know uh, there's still an off season to come, but Jack DeBellin has not played like a player who was worth sticking by through all that garbage. Either. He's he's uh, been trash. I maintain that the Gordon threshold is not high enough for any player, but yeah, I agree that he's been pretty shit. He was good for about three weeks, but the Raiders, Warriors, Manly games, I think he's pretty handy. But he played, again, he has barely played footy for the last four or five years. He only played about 10 games. He played like he was at the end of a season. He just played international football in origin in. He played mm. gas, that is. He looks, he, look, he looks sluggish, yeah. He I don't did. know what to think of them for next year. Because like you say, there's some nice there's some nice building blocks. I really like the idea of Sloan fullback, Amone 6, Hunt 7, and, and Sullivan as the 14. But like they're going to go and spend big money on Moses Sully. And I know Sully can do some really nice stuff with the ball, but he's a really bad defender. And he's also... His track record, I think, suggests that the second he gets a big money deal, he's probably not going <laughs> to, you know, I don't want to say it, but like, no, not, don't, but yeah, yeah, he's not like, he seems to me like one of those guys who's going to get a big deal and, and, and maybe start coasting a little bit. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they're doing. I do think it's not the worst move in the world to not lock into Tarek Sims long term. Yeah, I know I that, like there's that a move. there's a dearth of, of, yeah. of probably like, top class forwards at the club, but I don't think, I think Sims's three best games this year were all in origin. I think Tarek I Sims will be a great asset to a good team, but I think if a bad team picks him up on big money, expecting him to transform their fortunes, they will be sorely mistaken. That's well said. That's well said. He was, he was really good in that sort of backs to the wall win they had over the Knights um, closer at the start of the year. But apart from that, I think he was solid for the Dragons, but not really spectacular. And if he he's 31, I think, yeah. and there's a fair few miles on there and he wants a big multi-year deal, I'd if, be a little bit hesitant. I'd be wrapped well. if South gave him a two-year deal. But if I was a Tigers fan, I would be saying, stay yeah. away. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he only turns up for the big games. I think that's a good call, but I've just got, I've got other concerns in them as well. Like, uh, they've, you know, they've brought in Frank, Frank Molo's fine, but I just don't know if they've, they've solved enough of their problems there. But I, I am right though. I'm happy that it go out. Corey Norman experience over. I'm glad not once in his career ever did I rate that man by his first game. <laughs> like way, way back. That I've always been a fader. You won't we won't find a you go listen to 10 podcasts like 10 years of this podcast, you won't find a good word said about him by me, and I'm happy with that. I don't think What's I've funny? ever said a good word about him either. What's hey mate, you were on him for a little first... while there. Oh piss off when? How dare oh, you? Oh, but people go but the Parramatta days, people can go find it, look it up. M Sprouse will have this on record. 
I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll say you. I'll say a few nice words about him. He was very good for that terrible Parramatta team that got ripped up by the salary cap. And in that first yeah. game that you're talking about, Mitch, I from memory, he saved like three or four tries. All he his did. highlights were defensive plays. And it was like he's like, Well, that's it. I've saved enough tries to justify never doing it again for the rest of my career. Uh, I never I'm never going to do it again. That's it. And, uh, one last one last thing on Saints. Yeah. Doesn't the Cam McInnes move look terrible now? Because isn't he the exact sort of player that they need next year to just yes. sort of anchor things up? Yes, like, not it just, does. Not just with his leadership and all that, but with what he actually does well. Like, he'd help lock up the middle of the field. You know, he'd help really help set an example for these young kids coming through. Like, uh, that, move never made, that move never made sense to me. It makes less sense now. Yeah, really bad. Um, all right. Uh, the Titans needed to win by 11 to make the finals. They won by four times that. Um, good for them. They're in the finals. Ten wins, fourteen losses. What a what what a fairy tale story. So for them to make the finals, and this is not trying to be a shot at the Titans, just how bad the the bad teams are in the competition this year. But they their wins this year came over what the Cowboys twice, the Knights once, the the Broncos once, the Tigers uh, once, the Bulldogs twice. <laughs> The Dragons once and this. They beat one top eight team. If you beat enough bad teams, you'll make that's, the finals. That's what they did. Like they that's, that's, that's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. So, yeah. like, yeah. I, I don't know why anyone's shitting on them because there are plenty of other teams that could have beaten all the bad teams. Oh, I mean, they again, they, they are a 10 and four, it's not their fault the 10 and 14 team made the finals. Oh, I, I would, I would, they are I, shit, I, but that's I what would happened. <laughs> love it if they beat the Roosters. It would be the funniest, one of the funniest things to ever happen in rugby league. If I, was a, if I was a Titans fan, I'd be I'd be stoked. Yeah, of course, that, that, of, of course. I, I don't want anyone to get it twisted. We are not saying you shouldn't be happy that your team is in the finals. We're just laughing about the absurdity of the situation. I hope yeah. you win this week. I really do. But I was um, also one of those yeah. things that I do find sometimes, and it happened when I didn't want the Broncos to make the finals when they had Seabold there. Sometimes finals absolves all sins, mm. and they've made some terrible decisions this year, and they made the finals. And a ten and fourteen, they should be going to the offseason, you know, analyzing their side that they went 10 and 14, not that they made the finals. But yeah. I think the finals relieves a lot of pressure that should be there because like it's it, they they were for a long part of this season not good enough. And in this last run home, they did lose like the last three games that really mattered and no one else took advantage of it. Fair enough. They made the finals. They thumped the Warriors. The game was awesome. Awesome game, mm. but you get worried sometimes. You're like, we made the finals. That was a great season. Move on, and we'll just keep doing the same thing next year. Because if they turn up the same thing next year, they're in trouble. I feel but, like they made it. They've made the finals, and they play well on individual talent more than the yes. system working. Exactly like the same. Individual, made individual it. efforts kind of win the day for them. Like maybe Dave Fafita beat six blokes in a run, or Tino runs for two hundred meters, or Mo Fodawaka, the absolute king, is you know racing thirty meters to to chase a kick and put it down or Corey Thompson does something weird or Jamal Fogarty does something cool. And like, it, it never seems to be like a cohesive plan. Like Tyrone Peachy at five, eight, like, come on, man, it's not 2014 anymore. Just play Toby Sexton, play Ash Taylor. You're demonstrably better with them at five, eight and, and, and Peachy as part of your, as part of your middles. You know, I don't know what, I don't know what they're doing, but they're winning games. They're beating dudes and that's enough. Yeah, that's all it takes. It all you got to do is beat shit teams and you'll make it. It's not as hard as we, as, as, well, as mate, some again. teams make it seem. They also lost lots of shit teams. It's just <laughs> we spoke about this like earlier. You were like a ten and fourteen team won't make the finals. Don't have to I'm beat all the bad it, teams. Just beat enough of them. If we spoke about earlier, you were like the ten and fourteen team might make the finals, and it sounded ridiculous. And I'm glad it happened because it I'm is. So ha- I'm so and, happy that it happened. And the Knights had the second worst four and against for a seventh place team of all time. 
So I, I haven't, I couldn't figure it out that they're probably the worst forward against the final team all time. And, and this team. is, and a day, uh, and your regular reminder on this program anyway that there are like a large chunk of morons who have voices that matter in the rugby league media sphere who repeatedly call for there to be more teams in the finals. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, I know like they have got one there. Though I was looking at him early in the year, I was. I was for about two weeks there, willing the Broncos and Twitter to sign Jaden Campbell. Didn't last very long because uh, Brimson got injured and he got his one in first grade, but he's now got like five tries in six games, but he's looked electric. And honestly, I mean, if you watch a period of, you know, the first five games or six games of Jaden Campbell's career now to like six games of AJ Brimson this season, you'd probably go, yeah, Campbell might be the better fullback. I'm not saying he is, but that's... You know, not the worst problem for them to have next season. They'll figure out Brimson will go to six. Who knows what they'll do? But Campbell seems to create points and really follow the ball really well. He's so good at just being in the right position all the time. Like some of his tries has been following kicks. Why not? He's a real, he's a real, a real classy mover, isn't he? Like really glides over the field and and all that. And like you say, Mitch, just always seems to be around the ball and and has yeah. a great sense of like you know nailing loose balls in the air, or like catching kicks or put or little put downs yep. or turning like a, an error into a quick counter attack just seems to have a really great grasp of, of how the game works. It, it's, it's funny. He's so different in style to Preston Preston. I feel like was a little bit more, a little bit more madcap, like just sort of bouncing around doing stuff. And then camp, like he, and then his boy seems a little bit more, a little bit more graceful, a little bit more measured. I, well, it, I like it's, it a lot it, though. Yeah, I do too. I'm surprised. He, he plays to me like someone who has a lot more experience than six games. He looks a lot more composed He's so than confident. someone of that experience would be. I and also, think- this is a guy who's playing. He was playing Brisbane Rugby League last year. Like, so he's barely even played that much because this year Queensland Cup affected to barely played much against, you know, first grade quality men. And he's playing this confident. I remember we, like, we talked about him at the start of the year, Mitch. And you said, yeah, yeah. like he's got some some talent, but he's probably... A, a, like a fair bit away, and I watched a few highlights, and you could see it. But I was, but I was I was the same as you. I was a little bit like, wow, yeah, he's probably a year or two away from being ready for first grade regularly. Like the way he's come along and, and the speed of it is is really really yeah. impressive. He attacks the ball really well for a dude who's like forty grams. Like that's what I'm impressed <laughs> by. But yeah, like and and the rest of the, this game was awesome though because like it got insane. And we'll, we'll get to oh, that. That, but- that five that five minute period where. But it started pissing down rain. Then everyone got into fights, and then the Titans scored a try in the corner, and the big fella just ripped his yes. shirt off and started going for it. Like that's the that's the best fifteen minutes I've had in like months. Like lockdown's been a grim time. That lifted my spirits. It was so good, and uh, that was that was like A grade filth from the Warriors. It was oh, disgusting. It like like the the way it started the fight with Philip Sami like just tackled someone over the sideline. Reese Walsh comes in and starts like pulling his shirt. Jazz Devanga launches Sami after that funny little wave. And then Jazz tells the referee, Philip Sami hit him in the head. It's like, mate, are you blind? Sami hit nobody. Like, <laughs> he didn't do anything. <laughs> he sent him flying. And then classic A grade retribution. And Matt Lodge is angry. I don't know what. <laughs> like, <laughs> the world. Yeah. There, there wasn't exactly like a grubby game city of before New York. that. Yeah, it wasn't that like it wasn't like it was a really niggly game before that. It was getting pounded, and then that happens, and then he launches uh, Tyrone Peachy into the next stratosphere, and then Kane Evans ought to be topped as like, fuck, I'm at, I don't know what I'm angry at, but I'm also fucking angry. <laughs> I'm gonna hit somebody. <laughs> I did. What think, in the absolute fuck? <laughs> I did think the so the the lodge tackle on Peachy was was yeah. a pretty was a pretty cheap shot, but we see a lot. Of, we see those 
pretty regularly where playmakers get cleaned up so they go on the line. The one that sort of escaped a bit of notice was the prowler tackle that he pulled off on Dave Fafita. Yeah. I thought that was I thought that was real weak source because that was like three blokes had Fafita and he was going yeah. down and his back was exposed and Lodge just came in and cracked him. And Bungers, you'll remember this. Remember when Riley Brown did that to Craig? I was Wynn? there. I, yeah, I hated and, Riley Brown. Forever. Yeah, man. And it was a it was a it was a real, real cheap shot. And for Fafita, you kind of see him looking over his shoulder and he sees Lodge's coming and he's just like, mate, you're kidding. You're not bringing this shit, are you? And then he does and he gets him. It's just like, mate, that's just Come on, and man! Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to think this. I'm starting to think this Matt Lodge isn't a good fella. Oh, I, th- I thought. I thought. I thought both of those were pretty. Were pretty poor. I can understand Kane Evans just windmilling in and and throwing his little <laughs> lollipop punches or whatever. And I can understand Jazz Tavanga being crazy because Jazz Tavanga is crazy on the field, and it's great. It's one of his. It's yeah. one of his assets sometimes. But yeah, the Lodge stuff was was a little bit distasteful. I thought, and then flipping off the crowd and that. It's like, come on, man! It was great. And um, I did enjoy after the game because, again, we don't get it much often these days. But, like, yeah, Jared Wallace saying, yeah, I don't think he likes me much, uh, but I also don't like him or whatever it was about <laughs> Matt Lodge. It's like, yeah, good, honest. Jared, like, Wallace has had a, Jared Wallace has had a pretty good season. Yeah. He's been really good this year. He was he's like, had a, quite like, a good season. They've got a really good that, middle rotation at the moment. They do this thing sometimes where Jared Wallace will be coming mm. back off a kickoff and he'll just pass behind Whip someone for, for the fullback. With Brimson, they've gone straight through with it a couple of times. They do it like once or twice a game. It really changes. They did it against us. It's a really nice little move. Yeah, it's a it's a really nice little move. And that, but like he was sneaking into that area of like that Woods Gallon kind of awful useless hit ups and not getting out of the way and stuff. And he's just turned into like a ball playing middle this year, like thirty, like a guy who couldn't ball play for years. I like I respect that. It was awesome, and he played really well. But there, they're such a bizarre team. The Titans, they, they truly are. Who knows what'll happen this week? But like, I hate to feed off the bench stuff, and he hates it too. Kills it's clear it. he hates it. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, he hates it, but he comes on and scores every time. It's like, oh well, that was a good decision. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of <laughs> speaking know. of good decisions, do we want to touch on the Warriors much? Or yeah, yeah I mean, we 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 should because this is obviously their last game. But um, <sighs> look, Reese Walsh, good. Uh, letting Isaiah Papali go. He was bad go. in this game. He played yeah. angry little boy. I, I mean, overall, game, Reece Walsh. Yeah. Um, I, letting Isaiah Papali leave, bad. Um, giving Kane Evans a, a contract, bad. Um, making Nathan Brown your coach, bad. So I think overall, bad has trumped good. I think playing away from home has has obviously been taking its toll for a long time. I think these last few weeks, it's clear that. They've got, they've got to, they've got to get home soon. Think because I, I was thinking about all the guys on that team who have, would have never played a game in New Zealand. You know what I mean? And if you yeah, never yeah. play in front of your home crowd, you never have that sort of connection to your, your your town and your community and your people. What are you playing for at the end of the day? Who are you playing for? You know, that's why they I know, won those I was a shock. That's it. That's it. And like it's it's been it's obviously been a really tough couple of years for them, but. I think they've really, really felt the pinch these last few weeks. And I'm not surprised there's been a real, a real sort of almost disconnect between the players on the, on the field these last few weeks is the, you know, you got to pay the price at some stage for never get, never getting to play at home and never getting to experience those, those parts of those parts of rugby league that make a team part of a club. You know what I mean? More than anything else. There's a lot, a lot of teams out there, but a club is, is so much larger than that. But over here, the Warriors are just a team, you know? And that must that must be really hard. That must be really hard. Also, and, and, they and make the, bad decisions and have a bad coach. And the yeah, and the tough part as well is like they like a lot of these guys, we you know Warriors get generally ignored and, and people just expect them to suck. So when they suck, we're fine. I thought they'd suck this year as well because of the situation and the coach they hired. There's actually a lot of talented players there now. There's actually a pretty good roster there. 
And like just you said, mate, it's it's hard to see this exceeding in the situation they're in. For, like first thing, never playing at home ever, and they've done all right to not come last in that regard anyway. But you know that and the coaching change and similar, it's just like, ugh. it just must be a tough life as a Warriors fan right now. It must be awful. Um, it's weird. They they just get no they get no scrutiny at all. Never um, have. They've they've not won a finals game in a decade. They've played in one in that decade. Um, yeah, it's it's really really awful. Um, and no one seems to give a shit. But I will say I don't always support harebrained schemes that people come up with on TV shows. But I do actually completely yeah. back the the uh, idea of giving them the whole season at home next year if it comes to that. I actually think that's a really good idea. I mean, currently they're not going to be able to be at home by for round one as yeah, far as we know. know so. It's fucked. So who, I mean, who, who look, knows? I'm I'm just I'm just speaking hypothetically, of course, but I would fully support that idea because, as Campo said, there's guys who've now been in this team for two years who've never played a home game. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know how they figure it out with the keeping your other team happy and and you know all the contracts, other things are signed and everything. But you'd like to see them at least get some bonus home games at some point, wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's it's been tough for that whole lot. And that game, I mean, disgraceful behavior, and obviously, I feel like. I have felt like there's always been in Nathan Brown Haynes a bit of a lack of accountability culture on the field, but it is one of those games they can probably excuse it considering all the all the events that led up to this week that they, you know, they've been in Australia for two fucking years. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. Like, uh, and yeah, Titans this week. I guess we'll get to them again later. Oh, hey, but, but uh, no, look, look, I will say though, this was a game they had to win. Good on them for winning it. I don't care who it was and, against. Uh, and I really like Bo Firma, by the way. It's just ridiculous that like, Again, like he's been sitting behind like the Kevin Proctor is going to walk into the team again next week. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so weird to see them take up that option on Kev Proctor. The club took up yeah. the option to play him for next year when you would think that like Fafita Firma is like such a good second row combo. You know, they're both Sam really McIntyre quick, looks okay great well. movers. Sam McIntyre's mm. an all right first drop, I suppose. Like, yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Good luck to your Titans, you, you, you crazy kids up there. <laughs> yeah. All right, and last game of the round and the regular season, Bulldogs 38, the Ooh. team of the podcast, Ooh. zero. A, a tough, a tough look for my guys, the team of the podcast. Fucking hell. Hey, well, I've been calling this one for two months, so I was rock hard throughout. Nipples, everything. Uh, if you ask me my, my ding dong <laughs> later on, mate. I will ask game. later, but uh, yes. But uh, just... You know, I was saying since even though they beat my team, it's like that team has given up on Madge. The defensive application is not there. So the things bad. I said about Tiger Town, like, yeah, it's just one-way communication. The players are slumped over. They look miserable. All that garbage. All that things, yeah. All true because it all came out in the articles of players like before the game. <laughs> Michael Shammers. And then they went and played like this and they played like they were trying to lose by as much as they could because they watched the Bulldogs run like 80 metres up the field whenever they felt like it. Like they made Will Hopewadi look like he was 21 again. Pre-mission. <laughs> like we got pre-mission Will Hopewadi one did. last time. Yeah. It's um, know, he wasn't he wasn't in shopping centers handing out Bibles. He was on the turf handing out W's, hadn't out tries for his boys yes. out there. It's good stuff. Um it, it's it's downright embarrassing. And look, no one's a bigger fan of Michael Maguire than me for obvious reasons, but it's 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 over. Uh, there's no there's it's no gone. way back. And people look, I did see somehow people defending him saying, oh, but who's out there that's better? 
it doesn't matter. It like this is almost rock bottom. You lost by a million points to a team that's won two games all year and scored like four tries. Like it was embarrassing, absolutely embarrassing. Of all the times I'm assuming West Tigers fans have been embarrassed to be West Tigers fans, and there's a lot of those, particularly recently. This is more embarrassing than the Paul Gallon field goal game, I think. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think so. I think so. Because at least like at least that Sharks team had a bit had at a least bit that Sharks team was a finals team. That's like, it. And the Tigers turned up and and played all right on that on that day. I it's tough, man, because I think the Tigers have I, I know it, it might not seem that this way now, but the Tigers have the nucleus of something. Mm-hmm. Like Dane Laurie is a good player, Adam Dewey is a good player, Luciano De Lua is a good player. Stefano Utoi Kamano is, I think, going to be an exceptional player. And he's one of the only blokes after this game could hold his head high because he kept trying and he had that great chase on Nick Meaney when the game was absolutely mm-hmm. gone and no one would have known if he if he no one would have known if he dogged it in that moment and he didn't. He chased him down and did really, really well. There's there's like you know there's there's talent there. There's a little bit of talent there. But I think it's also clear that the players aren't responding to Madge anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you have to choose between this young core that you've assembled and that Madge has played a role in assembling, definitely. Because Adam Dewey, for example, is, is known to be a very big fan of Madge. He, Madge got guys like Sean Bloor into first grade and, and, and played him and got minutes into him this year. So Madge has played a big role in assembling the, 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 some of the good parts of the club now. But are you going to choose that young core or are you going to choose the coach? That's what it, that's what it comes down to. I mean... If you look at Michael Shamus's name on smh.com.au right now, he has six articles about Madge getting punted, essentially. <laughs> like, and almost all of them have quotes and mail and, you know, or according to source or a player said this, whatever, full of that stuff. The drum is more than beaten. The drum has been broken. They don't want him. The players don't. Like, and they played like that in the weekend. And as you said, Campo, I know. The start of the season, before he's a starter, I was like, oh, they can't just punt him yet. But halfway through the year, for mine, it was evident they weren't playing for him. The Tiger Town only, th- only solidified it for me, despite being great PR for Madge. Madge from marketing's played a Nathan Brown level innings there. He'll get a gig from some dope in a boardroom at some other club in three years will go, mate, remember Madge on that thing? Let's get him. You know, that'll happen. Maybe it's the Warriors again next. But that team's given up on him, and they have too many good pieces, and they're not the same pieces to back the coach over the roster again. It's not, you know, Benji and Farah and Woodsy and and Moses and Tedesco, whatever. It's entirely different now. It's like they can't lose this lot again because it's so hard for them to get that lot in. So that's it. And these good things coming with the center of Lake's excellence will be massive for them. I know fans don't care about that stuff, but it'll be huge to them in terms of recruitment. It will be because it like actually gives them something that looks impressive, giving players tours and similar, but they've given up on Madge. And because you can't think of, well, there's no amazing option because you can't think of him. Yeah. That's not a reason to stick with. No one knew who Michael Maguire was when South punted John Lang, one of the greatest coaches of all time to get him, but it worked out. Well, Um, Madge, Madge won a premiership in England. People People, yeah. people yeah. kind of knew who he was. No, they did. Yeah, Dude, but no one know. cares. But the, the general popular population, yeah, just yeah. fair. The people who are saying there's no coach out Nick, there, are the same people you, didn't have Madge. What percentage of NRL fans do you think could tell you who won the Super League this year? That's 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 true. That's a fair point. Yeah, but yeah, um, like, and that that's not good enough for me. And there is, you know, if you want experience, and Flano's sitting there right now. That's the obvious move, isn't it? The obvious one. 
potential for Brad Arthur to be available in two weeks. We don't know. There's there's still the drum beating over there. Maybe if they go out in straight sets, maybe he's available. The one I really want, and uh, Sham asked you to write about that four hours ago, but if I'm, if I'm the Tigers, I want Cam Serraldo. And I want Cam Serraldo because he's at that age now that like every single junior of Western Sydney either likes him or knows someone who likes him. Like has a really good relationship with all the young players from Penrith has a good reputation with that younger age group for that. And from the things I know with him, he's a lot about empowering players. And it quite, it seems like for me, Madge has been, it's a lot of one-way communication and Madge is in charge. And it might work a bit when your team's going better or like when you come into South and have an established leadership group and a strong playing group and similar, and there's strong voices that will challenge him or, or similar. They don't need to wrestle control or anything or anything, yeah. but there's not a lot of strong voices in this Tigers team. I don't think there's a lot of enablement or them either. There's not, not a lot of helping them find their voice. You know, they, I think they've mentioned that they, they don't know what the defensive structures are. They haven't really been coaching that, whatever, and they, they need help. And there's not any of that. Like that, there's not a lot of enabling of those young players. And I, and for what I've seen work at Penrith is that he does like doing that. Like he does like that. And the, the young fellas break down their opposition number and he wants them to come to their positional group meetings and tell the other guys what the strengths of their opponent is rather than like, you know, most coaching old school style is that you come into training, you do your training, whatever you come into the, the day or two before the game and you get your tip sheet written for you. And it's your job to go home and read that tip sheet, you know, and it's a bit different to, Oh, I'll read a piece of paper. Say I'm matching up with, I don't know, you're matching up with whatever winger and you're reading the piece of paper. Oh yeah. He's got a left-hand carry likes to fend here, you know, has his shoulders turned in and likes to shoot up whenever, whenever he sees numbers or whatever. You know, that's one thing to read it. It's another thing to do it yourself and, and then take it to the coaching meeting, you know, to the positional group meetings. And things like that, I think, might work well for, for the, the Tigers team. Just because they've got a lot of young players who look to talent when they had the ball, but still not, to mind, not a lot of full understanding of, all the aspects of the football, how football's supposed to be played. If you get me, like the defensive structure is not there, um, the the way to grind themselves back into games isn't there. Like they don't really know how to where their set's supposed to go. They're directionless, and I think a coach a bit more modern might suit that group a bit more, and might suit the type of players I think they should be recruiting. They shouldn't be looking. They've done this. They shouldn't be looking for the old experienced players who are going to come in and mythically change the culture because it's not going to happen. Go find some young players that are waiting for opportunity, like you did with Dane Laurie, like you did with Adam Dewey, like you did with Luciano Leilua. Those are the signings that work for the Tigers. Hell, it worked with Brett Hodgson. You know, work work with Scott Prince. Find those guys. Fuck the old blokes. You don't need any more old blokes. Yeah. Um, do not sign Aaron Woods and Terrickson. Yes. Or the Blake Woodsy one, the Woodsy one, I just don't. I don't understand why you would retread that at all, unless you want to roll it out as like a PR thing. Like, oh, we're bringing, bringing one of the boys home. But it's like... They have enough PR. They have yeah. enough of that. Like, you look at their middles and they have, like again, on paper, good players, but too many of the same dude. And Woods is the worst version of Joe Offa Garway. You know, he comes in and he is. He's just like Joe Offa or Alex Swall. They need someone who plays what 13 is turned into now, like, you know, they're not going to get a Kobe Hetherington or they could, they should have taken, signed Connor Watson. Let's be fucking real for mine. Gettable, cheap, play 14, play in the middle, move the ball around, sign Dorasiata, something like that. Or the other go thing is, though, and- like, Watson is a little bit similar to Hastings, I think, who they've already got. 
Like that would probably no, be the uh, only reason. But Watson is a middle forward now, right? Like he plays out of position yeah, he if you have to. Yeah. But I, I, isn't there at least murmurings that Hastings is going to play in that position? I what know. I understand, what I understand is Hastings is going to come and be, be the fourteen. And if if everyone's fit and firing, he'll do what Watson does, and he'll come on. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Field. But then, like, he's your first drop for the halves and for Hooker as well. I do like Connor yeah. Watson though. But yeah, yeah, it's 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 so uninspiring to if you're a Tigers fan to sit there and read about you just signing more 30 plus year old forwards or just boring players that just don't move the needle at all that don't do anything for you to have an ability to bring other people in that don't give you any reason to hope for the future like even if you get peak Aaron Woods and Tarek Sims like they're they're going to both going to be retired in like three years so who gives a shit they well, don't I need think that it's important it's important to remember Something that that it's been spoken it's been spoken about sometimes, but I think it sort of faded into the background a little bit, is that Madge inherited a roster that had some really unhealthy contracts on it, and I think the last yeah. of those is Russell Packer, and that's over now because he's retired. But they've got to remember that part of what's got them into the mess they're in is was sinking big money into Ben Madalino, Russell Packer, Josh Reynolds, a couple of other dudes like that and they might have seemed like all right signings at the time i was probably in favor of a couple of them but if you give big money to dudes who are near the end that's the risk you take on and giving given how they got burned i don't know why they would look at someone like yeah a woods or a sims or a ferguson like I mean, the, the the word money ball is thrown around far too <laughs> that's much that's the opposite of the money you've got to look for i think for, for for signings that have upside in terms of age and ability you've got to back your mm-hmm. system to get the most out of guys who were sort of on the cusp more than anything else because like you said mitch they've done that with laurie and dewey and Lua, and Leilua and Bloor. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's where the future is that that's how they can dig themselves out you know they can and you know you want to talk about guys who are retreads waiting for, who might need a change of scenery. Like, call David Fusatua. You know, I know they've got wingers, but, you know, there's a good one. Fucking get someone else to take Nofaluma's contract. I know he's got years left, but there's guys around the, you know, around other NRL sides who aren't in first grade now that you can go and have a chat to. Those are the ones you'll find. Like, I I, I, realize, I really like one of up in Northern Pride, like Josh Stuckey, but he just got signed by the Bulldogs. But he's like a really, really giant forward who's a bit of a, you know, a bit, bit more mobile, a bit more of a ball player for his size. Like, someone like that, you know, maybe we take a a, a pot a, pot, a punt at a, a, Jaga, a Jakarti buyer up at from the Hunters. I know he's out for the rest of the year, but he looks really good at centre. You know, don't go and sign some old forty year old, thirty year old centre. I don't know, but look in different areas. That the juniors haven't been on as much this year and last year. No, it makes it tougher, but that's where the good signings are from the modern Tigers. It's not the guys who we all know what they are. Ferguson would be the worst signing for them. I would hate that. I would hate that because, like, it. even if, even if they don't ship off Noffa or anything like that, Noffa Luma Mal Marlow is like, that's a perfectly adequate wing that duo. You it know is. what I mean? And it gives you exactly what Ferguson would give you, which is really good yardage and then a few defensive blues. Yeah. Like, why go? Why go out and get that when you've got two of them already? Exactly. And then if you're looking for like middles, I know he's gone. He's going to Manly most likely, but like, I would have gone after like Ethan Bullmore, for example, was gettable on a bench at a, another side. Peter Holler, probably gettable from the Cowboys. Uh, you know, there's um, a young uh, Jack Howarth, uh, Ed Backrow slash center at the Storm. He'll be waiting for a while. Get on, you know, there's a guy you could probably chase. Uh, Lodovico Coconato, uh, who's a, a winger for the um, the Devils in the, in the 20s up north. Another dude, like, there's potential everywhere. 
not in reach spreads. And I do think that the Tigers are a bit smarter now, but I am very scared for them having the amount of cat space they have for next year, apparently, that like they're just going to sign Tarek Sims. Yeah. That's the one that scares me the most because, you know, that's five six hundred K don't really need to spend it. They might just do it. Yeah. They might. Yeah. Um, like, all right. I'd rather, I'd honestly rather, if I'm them, if I have nobody to sign next year, I'd rather front load people than sign any of those guys, those retreads. I'd I rather bring Luch's contract forward, Stefano's contract forward, Dewey's and Dane Laurie's, and then hit your free agent for 2022. And then, you know, see if you can bring, get them to come a year early and bring their salary forward. I don't know, but I'd rather not just go sign garbage to fill the roster up. Yeah, they like, should employ me as a professional handshake consultant, and I can work the magic like I perfect. did with Luch. Easy. Have yeah, they won a uh, game since the handshake? Yeah, that was at the start of the year. That was at like February. Mm. Well, so they've won and a for, couple of games. And the Bulldogs fans feel like they're the other side of this now. You know, you think like they they got a nice win for them, whatever, but like they they won't see anything remotely resembling this side from round one next year. So that'd feel nice. Yeah, lots to be excited about for them. Um, there's finals this week. Yeah. This is my favorite weekend of the year. It's the best weekend, weekend of the finals. year. You get four awesome. games of finals footy. Mm. I would pay a five-figure sum or alternatively <laughs> maybe commit some serious crimes if it meant the footy was on in Sydney as normal or at least the pubs were open. The pubs being open is the main thing. Oh, man. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Let's commit some crimes anyway. Let's do it. All right. Yes. Sweet. All right, but first of all, we've got Friday, 7.50 p.m., the Storm of Melbourne playing the Sea Eagles of Manly Warringah at Sunshine Coast Stadium, Melbourne's home away from home. Um, what? Do, how do we feel about this one, guys? Like, I think there's a chance at an upset here. I think if Melbourne don't come correct, Manly could definitely get the drop on them. Like there was their game a few weeks ago, where Manly play Manly played well, definitely, but I think people it was when Melbourne were pretty close to their apex with their winning streak. And I think people mm. got a little bit carried away with how close Manly were. And they were saying, Oh, Manly can challenge the storm, Manly can do this. But the storm, I think, was still well in control of that match. They had to work for it, but they were still well in control of that game. I think working out their issues with Pappenhausen and 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 Grant and Hines and all them on the weekend was really important. I think they're probably still better with Hines. I think he sort of rounds out the skill set of that spine a little bit better but i'm i'm still taking melbourne i'm still taking melbourne in the in the big games i'm still backing them to not nullify Trebouille because he probably can't be nullified under the way the game's played right now but i think they can slow him down just a little bit and i think if they stand up to manly in the middle of the field which they're more than capable of doing they should they should be able to get this one done i don't think it'll be easy but i'm i'm, I'm taking melbourne no monster is very likely and if he plays, he you know he probably won't be fully fit. So has, has that Munster one's had, interesting. Has Munster had a good year? No, he's no, had good I don't moments. Think so he's had good moments. Hasn't had a good year. I do think he's um not as fully checked in as as he has been in the past to this season. He seems to be fawning for that new club with Wayne. <laughs> you know? But uh, it's it's tough to it's tough to see Manly doing it, but. I think they're a lot closer than the $3 outside as they are currently. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's something like there's there's areas that I that I, I think Manly do have the advantage. But I, I think Melbourne can be a bit too strong, like robust and powerful for them in the middle. You know, Melbourne too, are too powerful in the middle for just about everyone. But I think Manly, if, if there's a way, if there's a way to handle Manly outside of getting at Trebojevic, it's really hammering that middle. Because like, you know, Jake's probably 
not the player that he once was under the new under the new systems and all that. And we've all seen how effective Smith and Grant and all of them are. And a sofa Solomona's back last week and he looked absolutely horrifying. I really think Melbourne just like smash them up the guts and you know really make them really make them work up that middle third. Yeah, and uh, I do think their control of the middle does limit Tommy Turbo's impact because most of his good work, his best work has been done on the back of momentum up the middle of the field. And they did a pretty good job controlling him last time they played. And so, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I think the Storm do win it, but I, I am actually really keen for this. You know, as you said, Bunga, 10 weeks ago, it looked like Storm, Penrith and nobody. And the officiating has kind of changed, but the form of Storm and Penrith have been a bit different. I'm actually really excited for, you know, a whole number of these final fixtures not going in with my 100% lock on who's going to win these games. Yay. All right. Um, we've got up next, we've got a double header in Townsville. First up, we've got the Roosters playing the 10 and 14 Gold Coast Titans. Um, the Roosters should win this one pretty comfortably, you would think, but it's finals footy, Campo, and anything can happen. Well, when two teams go out there and, and rip into each other in finals footy, anything can happen. Anything, anything can happen. Yeah. It's funny, the Titans played the Roosters really well in their game on the Gold Coast this year. The Roosters, they did. The, they should have the won, Roosters, Yeah, they, oh, the Roosters got out to a big second half lead. The Titans nearly run them down, and then yep. the Roosters scored in the corner and, and kicked a field goal with a couple of seconds left. I, that's the blueprint for the Tigers, for the, the Tigers, crossed for the Titans yeah. to to win this game. I think they 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 need to have their fingers crossed that, like I said before, that the Roosters go into this maybe just with a little bit of an attitude of we've made it here, so even if we lose, the job's done. You know, and if it if it gets loosey goosey, if it turns into a shootout, if the Roosters don't stick to their systems and attack and defence like they have when it's count like like they have when it's counted this year, then I think the Titans are a chance of springing the upset. The alternative is that the Roosters are up twenty four nil after twenty minutes, and Dave finally comes comes on and the game's gone. You know, I'd feel a lot better about the Titans' chances if they had. Like we talked about before, Sexton at five eight, Peachy in the middle, and Fafita starting. But they're not going to do that, Mitch, are they? They're not. They're not at all, which is terrible. But um, I, I I do think the Roosters are going to pound them. That's what I think. The Roosters got a lot of their troops back last week and wound the crock black pretty pretty easily. You know, didn't seem that they shook the rust off. I think they're going to pound the Titans. I agree. Um, seven fifty, the main game, uh, Penrith. Souths. Souths are as big outsiders as the Titans are, which I find absolutely offensive. Do you? Yes, that's bullshit. (laughs) Give me a fucking break. Well, this is a team that was, I mean, for what? You know, the first hour of that game outplayed Penrith three weeks ago. And yeah, they didn't have James Fisher, Harris, and Brian Toto, the respective best players at their positions in the (laughs) world. But... Um, and yes, Souths have lost Latrell Mitchell. But um, I saw enough in that game to know that Souths can hang with this team. And I saw enough to make me think that even without Latrell Mitchell, it's not panic stations. Do I think they'll win this game? No. Do I think they'll win the comp? Probably not. But I don't think it's the foregone conclusion that the betting markets and you two are making it out to be. Well, no. What I, Just what I worry about with Souths, and I only worry about it when they play Melbourne or Penrith, is I don't think against Melbourne or Penrith, their 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 really fast, flashy attacking style is sustainable. I think Melbourne and Penrith's defence is the only defence 
product in the competition that's really good enough to, to, yeah. to stop that on a regular basis. So as such, if they get into a real grind with Melbourne and Penrith and they go set for set for them and they get into a real yardage battle, South's big weakness gets exposed and their big weakness is the yardage they get out of their back three. You know, and that's when Trell's there. It's not. It's not as bad because he's gotten a lot better at it this year. But when it's um, Blake Milne, Toff, Johnston, and Blake Tane Tuff, Milne, yeah. Alex Johnston, that's really tough. That and it's especially tough to overcome when Penrith have got Brian or the best yardage outside back in the history of the universe, and Dylan Edwards, who I know you know a lot of people aren't that high on him, but does get through his yardage quite well. It just it just really helps Penrith kind of grind them down, and that's what worries me about Souths. If they get into a grinding sort of game against Penrith, I I don't know I don't know if they're quite up to it. I don't know if they can run and gun their way out of this one. Yeah, I think that's the that's always their best option is running and gunning. But I just don't I just don't know if it's I don't know if it can work this time. I don't know if it can work against these Panthers. It just I, I looked back at that game again, right? And almost everything that could have gone wrong for Souths a couple of weeks ago went wrong. And it was still a pretty close game up until the end. Um, like they're not going to have Josh Mansour out there misreading every kick that comes his way. And they're probably not going to lose the penalty count 43 to 6 again or whatever the fuck it was. Um, and assuming Mark Nichols doesn't get called for a downtown penalty, they won't have perfectly legitimate possessions taken off them. So I just think that I've seen enough from them this year in the vast majority of their games. And yeah, the first game against Penrith was ugly. And both games against Melbourne were ugly. But those were a long time ago. Since then, they've lost one game. They've lost one game since June. And it was a couple of weeks ago, and it was pretty close. And it was against this team that they're playing this weekend. Um, you're right. You are you are completely right in that one of, if not South's biggest weakness, is also what makes Penrith so great. We can't really fix that. I don't think the forward battle is as lopsided as people would have you believe. I think James Fisher is obviously the best biddle on the field. But after after him... I think you've got Cameron Murray. You've got guys like Nichols, Burgess, and Totola, all playing really well this year. I don't think, I don't think it's really one-way traffic in that regard either. And then, you know, Bill Kickow's great, but he has quiet games, and he might have a quiet game in this one. Um, I mean, we'll see the team lists tomorrow, uh, and it really just a lot of it is going to come down to Blake Taff, isn't it? And that's yeah, obviously a lot to ask for, you know, a child in his fifth game. But that's just how it is. Well, I if, thought if in we that were going to, you go, Mitch. Sorry. Yeah, if we we're going to, by the way, saying the last game, everything went against South, similar, not arguing that. But the big difference is, yeah, they only beat you by 13 then, but you had the trail and they didn't have their two best players. Like, Tor, oh, sorry, two of their three. They didn't have Tor I did say that. and Fisher Harris. I know, but like that flips. And I also just think Penrith, the last couple of weeks, have got their straps back. Like, um, I don't know. I, I'm. I think they're title content, like a real big contender as well. I think that left hand side of Burton and Toto, like Toto, is going to ruin whoever they match up against him. I don't see. How, I don't know how you. It has to be Milne for mine. I agree. Probably be Paulo, but he's I the only one I think Paulo's is physically been... competent enough to even have a chance. Yeah, and then Cleary's kicking game that scares when, me. The most. I know you mentioned Mansour on, but you might you're looking at most like Blake Taff at fullback and either Milne or Paulo on the other wing. I think you're in trouble. It's yeah. funny. It's funny, Mitch, you mentioned that they've really sort of hit their straps the last couple of weeks. I thought that game against Souths, you could see them working their way back into into sort of their pre-origin form. You could see them yeah. kind of getting their swagger back. And then you could see it again on um, Friday, I think. You could, you could see them sort of going through the old motions and going through the old patterns. And by the end of it, they were like, oh, yeah, we're the Penrith Panthers. We score tries and Brian Todd, like, 
jumps into the air like Superman and Jerome Lewis screams yeah. in people's faces <laughs> and we hit the Manny Bop on and off and it's all like fucking awesome. You know what I mean? But I feel like they've really got the the joy back and the spark back at just the right time. I, I've, I'm with you, Mitch, man. I reckon they're flying under the radar a little bit. I reckon they're going to win the comp. I'm all in on them. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at me. No, no, no I, for the record, I'm not dismissing the I Panthers. I, no, we're just talking. No. We're just, just but, three guys talking. Uh, I just think that we're being disrespected a lot by people in the past two weeks. I think they did. They got close without Latrell last year, and their team is better now than it was last year. And there were guys that played in that game on Saturday night against the Dragons who were starters for this team in the finals last year, who were key players. Guys like Jed Cartwright. I, I agree like, with all those things, but that's it's this year. You know, and uh, we're talking about this week's game. I just think the gap's too big with Penrith right now. South might win two more, might, might win another finals game. They might play a prelim, but I think Penrith do a job, do a number this week. That does seem like our destiny once again. Um, Newcastle Parramatta in Rockhampton, not Brockhampton. <sighs> why, why do they refuse to let Kalen Ponga go on the left hand side of the field? It Just seems why? like it might be illegal. That's why they're not like, doing it. Why they, Why do they refuse to let Jake Clifford go on the right side of the field where he's also better? I don't know. Like there was against Brisbane, and we see every week, we, we've been bitching on this podcast for ages. They don't go left. They went left with Ponga like twice and they scored and they got one of them called call back. But uh, I think he went down the, the left four times and they had four like try scoring opportunities. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and they they the first like twenty minutes they didn't go down left at all. At some points they had when they went left to Bradman, they had Ponga as like a decoy standing on the right, like just standing. I was like, Are you kidding me? Like that's a play you drew up. You went to training and went, yeah, look, Caitlin, you go stand over there. We heard on the broadcast once you're the best decoy in the game. <laughs> you go stand over there, and we're gonna go left. The Knights, man. The Knights, I. I, I, I don't get them. I don't get them. Like their roster, they've got everyone back now, and they've, or they will have everyone back in this game. They'll have Clemmer, Safidi Twins back. Clemmer's going to play. Pierce and Ponger and, and Braley are all going to play. On on talent, they should be able to beat Parramatta. They should be able to give anyone in the comp a real red-hot crack. But I feel like there hasn't been a single game this year when we've seen the ceiling of this roster, and they're – Best wins, the, the the win over Manly at home, for example, or the first win over Canberra in Wagga have never been a triumph of of the attacking talent in the team. And there is a lot of attacking talent. It's mm. been like brutal stone age. We are going to like just run directly into you until either you fall down or we fall down. It's been real like we're going to beat you to death with a club type shit, which they've got the yeah. team to do, but they're also capable of so, so much more. You know, with with the team that they have, I, I really don't know what they're trying to do in attack. I love their forward pack. I think their forward pack is a chance of getting on top of Parramatta's if Parramatta don't really bring that physicality that they sometimes do and sometimes don't. But yeah, I, I, I that they they frustrate me the nice that they should be they should be a lot better than they are. They shouldn't have a differential of minus two thousand or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, and there's no arguments that they they are where they belong in this year's season. But uh, they 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 don't they don't whelm me they underwhelm me Campton yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think oh, yeah, the Eels have come into the finals I had that one good win against the Storm but I think those might be enough fumes to get them fired up for this and I don't know I, I think, feel like the Eels are probably more likely to lose to the Titans than they were to the Knights because the Titans could like just you know blow score some points randomly and get on top a lot the the Knights are not a team. 
that are going to punch the eels in the face on the in the face on the scoreboard, which is how this eels team loses. Yeah, like they'll stay in the contest in the middle, and I think that you know maybe the knights keep it close. They're good at doing that, but I just think that the eels will be too good for them. Well, the, the the if if they do by some miracle fix up the ponga stuff, the left side is where they can really get them as well. If you can match up Bradman best mm. to the the young man child on Will Penasini, a child, that's a that's a that's a matchup they should be able to feel really good about, but they just really struggle to get best the, 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 the service that he really needs to just wind up and kill people. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel like the night, the Knights should be able to win this game. I don't know if they will. Yep. All right. Um, before we go, we've got to give a quick shout out to the uh, people on our Patreon subscription service in the top two tiers. That is patreon.com forward slash NRL boom rookies. If you want to support the boys. Uh, and so a special thank you to, Chris Abnell, Dave, Carlo Tyson, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Wayne Ritchie, Anthony Anger, Ben Wallace, Blake Brady, Butsy, Cam Beswick, Chris Slade, CTO, Dan Cullinane, Doc Hogg, and anonymous backer, Don Dick, Frankie, Jace G, James K, Jason, Jez, Joel Wrigley, Josh Brandon, Josh Tomer 98, Lachlan Hancock, Leon, Matty Jenkins, Matt Coleman, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Morgan Watkins, my ding dong is hard and I am sad, never trendy, party keg, Razor, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Seymour Butts, Simo, Stephen Nicky, Swarzy, Tide, Not So Much Ray Student, Thor, Laycock, Tom Hardy, and Warwick Ahern. Thank you so much for your continued support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Uh, Mitchell, how's your ding dong going? I'm feeling good, mate. Good. Just in general. It's, uh, I don't know. Just uh, lockdown. Uh, I've just got used to my captor and uh, feel like it's going to end soon. And, and also I... that footy's been okay. Campo, sad. Oh, I've become institutionalized by lockdown. It's never going to end. Oh, yeah. Good. yeah. All right. Um, we've also got rookie takes. So let's get those out of the way. Yeah. Uh, last round of the season for rookie takes. Um, so here's what are we do. We want to wait till the off season. To, do we want to keep them? I think we need to keep it going for the finals, right? We do. We do. Yes. And then in the off season, we have the bracket. Yes. All right. Great. I agree. Uh, so we've got the last uh, batch for this regular season. First of all, we go with Nick Campton's colleague, the big O. So let me get this straight. The only team that will have the luxury of home ground advantage in the finals will be the side that finished eighth with a 10 and 14 record. They're playing in Townsville. That's a home ground. That's really far from the Gold Coast. Isn't Townsville closer to, sorry, isn't the Gold Coast closer to Sydney than Townsville? Yes, that's correct. Okay, great. Fantastic. Also, I just, I've seen a lot of these takes in the last couple of days. Like, do people not understand it's like, like, do, do they not understand why the games are in Queensland? Much like, it, mu- much, much like somebody making a high tackle, COVID, where's it supposed to go? It can't disappear. <laughs> it can't, <laughs> exactly. Um, we've got uh, Robert Dillon. Uh, wrote an Bob Dillon. Piece. Yeah, Bob Dillon. Uh, Latrell Mitchell needs to wake up to himself quick smart or he, or he risks becoming the next Josh Dugan. Yes, Josh Dugan was... Sorry, what? I don't know. How are those I'm remotely as, I'm comparable? As, I'm as big a fan of 2010 Josh Dugan as maybe there is on this planet, but, you know, yeah. pull the brakes on that one, Bobby. Yes, famously, Latrell Mitchell was ostracized for drinking on a roof. What? I don't know. I'm very confused. Um, we got uh, Dalto. Uh, this is in response to Latrell Mitchell getting death threats. Uh, death threats are never okay, obviously but this is the wrong time for Latrell's family to play the victim card for him. <laughs> death threats. Death threats are always wrong, but 
I didn't think that's we top. Awful. I didn't think that's we like, top. I'm not a South fan or black, but that we might have. That's that's like that's like the classic tweet. Um, uh, Stephen A says to Skip, Skip, you know I'm sensitive about the Holocaust, but <laughs> <laughs> go on, come on, um, Matty Johns. I'm not a fan of the bunker in uh. any way, shape, or form. I think the game is better without it. How, you know what? Given how the bunker's this... been the last couple of weeks, nah, no, I'm, I'm 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 back. I'm <laughs> I, don't, I don't hate it, man. And um, you actually submitted this one, Campo, and then as a result, made me click on an article on the Raw, which I'm still mad at you about. But uh, from Curtis Woodward, Jack White and flopped in 2021, and it's entirely on the heads of the Canberra Raiders. I'm not yeah. reading this. Can you sum it up in one sentence? Oh, look, it just sort of plays into the thing that nothing's ever Jack White's. It's oh. like it's never Jack White's fault if Jack White doesn't play doesn't play well. Good point. You know? Well made. And like I know the Raiders had a lot of changes in their spine and he had a lot of different halfbacks and all that sort of thing. But also, he's been around long enough and he's standing at the club and in the game is high enough that he has to take some of the responsibility for his form. Absolutely. Oh, my oh. God. He's, I just clicked on this. Why did I do this? <laughs> I don't know. I only clicked on it because I had to screenshot it for the vote. Oh, my God. I'm mad he's at you, blame- Instead of posting a URL next time, post a screenshot. Do you know how to do screenshots? Oh. Uh no, you'll have okay. to you'll have to write a letter telling me how. <laughs> okay, now, I can't now this now this is the million dollar question: Has White not stepped up this year, or has it become an impossible task as the club sputtered from one civil war to the next? No, the first one. Oh, Those are the two options. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. Those are the two options. Okay, and fantastic. All right, thank you all for Jack listening. Jack White and takes are never okay, but Nick, <laughs> anything to promote before we get out of here? Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter as everyone knows, but don't follow me on there. Follow your hearts, follow your dreams, man. Um, if you see any of my stuff from the Daily Telegraph, please click on it from as many devices as possible. Please subscribe from various bank Uh, accounts. Don't do that Um, last thing. I've got a login. I'll share it with you. I've got a big, I've got a big project dropping on the weekend that I'm really, really excited (laughs) about. Um, I won't give it away what it is, but, um, Keep an eye out. I think uh, a lot of you will really like it. I'm going to rebrand taking a shit as that from now on. I've got a big project brewing <laughs> for this weekend. It's coming this weekend. I think you'll be very interested. All right. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Campo. Say goodbye. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me. Say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. That's goodbye from me.